podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. The date is July 15th, the year's 2019. We're motherfucking back, baby. How you been, bud? Good, man. Summer's a mid-midsummer night's dream right now, and we're just happy to be back with you all listeners, and which we, whom we love dearly. And we're ready to get stuck in with the new season. It feel, feels good, though. It feels ready. It's, it's been a really long break. I, I took the women's whatever the fuck totally off. I didn't watch any of it. So it's, this has been like the longest... No footy break for me in four or five years, six, I don't know how many years. Yeah. How about I'm, you? How are you feeling to be back? Longest break by far for me, too. I haven't even been, like, the game reopening didn't ignite anything in me for some reason. I think I just needed that extended break. So this is really me getting back in FPL. This is, like, our price reaction pod just rambling, answering questions, et cetera. And then I think the next three preseason pods will be much more structured. Each episode will be broken down by price brackets like we did last season, which people seem to like. And so we'll really get in there. A few more things before we, we dive in. As of now, going forward, this is the time slot we'll be potting all season unless something changes. So... Monday morning, you know, USA time. If there's a Monday- I wouldn't I wouldn't say all season, maybe for the foreseeable future. Foreseeable future. I, I mean, hopefully all yeah. season. We'll see. If there's a Monday match, maybe we'll move it to Tuesday morning or afternoon, but in general this will be the pod time. Um Welcome to new listeners, new friends of the pod. Give us a follow on whatever social media you prefer, most active on Twitter. Make sure to give us a like, subscribe, review on iTunes, wherever you can find pods, etc. That all that pod bullshit that we normally don't do. And lastly, we have a Patreon. You can sign up, support the pod if you so choose. Rest of July, it's still free. You'll get refunded, so you can, you know, check it out, check the Slack out, see what's going on in there, see if it makes your dick hard or not, and then decide to stick around or not. So I think that's the end of my fucking spiel. Um, where do you want to begin? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, clearly much more degenerate than you are. I was like in Germany <laughs> looking at player prices in Slack, and you're just like sitting on your finger up your ass, like not participating. Yes. So you're fresher eyes than I am, I suppose. So maybe what what like. What's like fucking you up, or what are you liking so far? Okay, so there's a few things that I like sort of wrote down as I was, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, I had not looked at FPL basically for more than like one hour before yesterday. And then yesterday I was like, okay, it's time. Pod's back. I need to get in there, see what's up, see what's been happening. So. I'm sure there's shit that I don't know, and I don't really have my fingers on the pulse. But the things, uh, one of the things that stood out to me, and we can start with Spurs because I know you love talking about Spurs. Is just Not my favorite team, Dombele. I just looked the at balls. Yeah, I, that that signing just feels 
extremely significant and good to me, especially because all of the Spurs defenders are five five, as opposed to all of them being six last year, and and usually them being pretty expensive, and even. Loris being five five cheaper than the now you know six zero keeper, so I don't know. I just he definitely stood out to me. Like, what's his effect going to be on the defense? What's his effect going to be on the attack? I was like looking back to see like what was che- what were Chelsea's numbers the season before Conte, and then when they got Conte, what were Everton's number before Idrissa Gay and then after they got Gay, you know, like. It's far from an exact yeah, whatever. science. I mean, they have a good DM, finally. They don't have... I yes. mean, he's still probably going to play Dyer as much as possible, but... <laughs> Dyer yeah, and Winks think, played a lot last season. Yeah, and that, I feel like that'll continue because that's how he rolls. But I think, you know, there's two different questions. Is how's he going to affect the defense and how's he going to affect the attack? So in defense, you know, the, the main issues for me is we still have, right, like two fullbacks kind of. I mean, I think KWP will probably play a little bit and REA as well as his trips doesn't look like he's going anywhere as of right now. Then you have Rose and, and Davis apparently was like playing with an injury all season last year. He had some off-season like surgery hernia, or something like right. this. So, yeah. And then like Toby's been somehow horrible and Davinson's actual horrible red card shot every every game. And so it leaves you kind of just with like Vert as a nailed on option who at 5-5 five, five is reasonable value, but it just makes it Laurie's more attractive to me at 5-5. Five, five. Like he gets actual saves and, you know, Spurs are clearly the third best team in the division. So I think Laurie's would be like my favorite pick back there if you're going into game week one with it, if you expect their defense to improve. But. Attack wise, yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing that, you know, good teams like United go into all these off seasons the past few years and sign like five players and they just are in complete upheaval and turmoil. And, you know, Spurs like add one piece. And so adapting and, and fitting one piece into the existing structure shouldn't be like the first two or three months, like getting used to the new team. I feel like it'll be maybe a bit quicker. So I think we really just need preseason and games, though, to see how they line up, which makes me more tentative to put any of the Spurs' assets in my game week one team attack-wise. Um, you know, they're not really priced well. You know, Lukash only has two games before Swanee Boy's back from his suspension. I mean, nine five could be good for Sun, but it, I'm worried. We don't know. I mean, Erickson at nine isn't too exciting. We don't know where Ollie's playing. If he's going to still be planning to play DM, if he's going to try and jam all these guys up forward, and then it leaves Kane. I mean, you know, Kane's been very polarizing. I'm in the FPL community. I've been seeing. You know, people are kind of like blindly looking at. You know, eleven is priced too well. Like he's going to be value, and then others are just kind of like, why would I want him for eleven? You know, like I'm not going to captain him really if you know you have Salah, and you know he was playing kind of deeper last season, so. You know, I still haven't really made up my mind on the Kane debate, but I get both sides of the argument. And I mean, Spurs is one of the main teams where I just really want to see formation and setup. So that's kind of where I'm at with Spurs. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like the formation will, you know, roughly be the same old like four two three one four three three sort of thing that he runs out, but. Where everyone lines up, especially Ollie, like you mentioned, is kind of up in the air. I, like, weren't there rumors that Trips was going to go too? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was supposed to go to Inter, but I mean, you know, the transfer market's been really strange. I mean, it's July 15th, and everyone's pretty much just now in, in pretty much their preseason game yeah. schedules kicking off. 
And we really haven't seen a ton of stuff going on. So I mean, the next two, three weeks is when you know that's all there is until the season starts. So we'll see if there's movement. But the the rumors, from what I've been seeing, have really died down on on trips. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I but mean, I mean, I think. But you're yeah. saying like you know, is he get four, two, three, one, blah, blah, like like Kane's positioning last year was very bad. I mean, he was just not the most farthest forward player, yeah, not really, yeah. in any in any game for the last you know for the whole year almost or whatever. And you know, he's always. Seemingly a little bit like slower. Who knows whatever that is, eye test or whatever. But he's never been the paciest player. But if he's if he is actually going to be thrust back up there because Dembale is more like Dembele and he's able to kind of like shore the midfield up, and then Kane doesn't have to drop back deep if they don't need the extra man there. I mean, that would be attractive. Like if he's if Kane's back like two seasons ago and he or three seasons ago when he was. Actually, the most playing actual striker and not like a hybrid striker midfield role, which is what he was kind of doing last year. Then you know that that would be something significant. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, with Kane, it's just there's also the August shit. Like it seems like everyone forgot that, but you know, and you know, it is. It wasn't just like oh, it was one or two seasons. You know, he starts slow every year for his whole career since he's been in the first team. I think. Yeah, it seems oh. it seems like that. So yeah, maybe their maybe their attack is just a full avoid for now. Is what you're saying? I mean, I don't like. I, I don't think Vert Kane's in an avoid right now, and I feel fine about Vert or Lloris. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. It was, so the other thing too with Spurs, right? Like we're all looking at the game week one team, and they're Villa home game week one. So I think that is blinding people to a degree. Like if that first home game was like at Watford or something, and then they have at City game week two, which is basically a throwaway blank around the board. Like that's not great. Yeah, then you would just, um, then everyone would be full of void until game week three. Yeah, so I think it's the other issues of you know the Villa home game. If you're not going to captain Kane in that first game week, you know because Mo they're they're playing Norwich, so you know pretty much everyone's doing that. I, I mean, giving it a couple games to just kind of see what they look like, and then maybe going in on game week three, something like that. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm just I think that any of these things are viable to me. Depends on how you're feeling, but you know we've kind of also been talking a little bit, and so I mean, so before I, we go somewhere else, but yeah, I mean, like Vert's fine, obviously. Like again, I think Loris, I've had Loris in my team a little bit, and I think he's he's really a good option just because he gets saves, and you know that's a lot more predictable than the clean sheet total. Like Ederson, right, had 20 cleans last year. And you know he obviously got more points than Loris, but if they come back down to like seventeen or eighteen, and Loris goes back up from twelve to like around fifteen, which is where Spurs usually are, which I think they probably should do. If you give him the saves, he'll probably outscore Ederson. So I, I, I don't, know. I, I do like Loris, but the other thing with Kane is like we've been talking about Aubameyang a little bit, and he's really not been mentioned a lot, but. Their first two fixtures, they, they get to play Newcastle, which looks like an absolute sinking ship, and Burnley the first two game weeks, and then it gets really tough for them. But, you know, people I feel like are being a little bit harsh on Aubameyang from their experiences last year when he was like sort of in and out of the team around the time when they had more fixtures and he was prioritizing Europa and then he got injured towards the end of the yeah, season. I'm definitely scarred from that for sure. Yeah, but I mean, this is a player who had the most points of all forwards last season, which everyone seems to forget. He had, I mean, he was sort of profligate in terms of 
finishing big chances, which you know that's kind of been his mo. But yeah, he was getting a good, yeah. yeah. But he still gets a really good volume of them, and he didn't really get a price hike. I mean, he's eleven, so like doing something like starting with him with an eye towards Kane game week three, I like a lot more than starting with Kane. Just because, I mean, Arsenal again are very unpredictable, but I think it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's kind of like a shrewd thing. It might be overthinking, I'm not sure, but when we have the wild card in our pockets anyway, and, you know, I don't have any, any reservations towards popping it early, I, I think Aubameyang should be getting a lot more consideration than he is right now at that, for that, in that slot. Yeah, and just to put numbers to it, I mean, they did score the third most number of goals in, in the league. They did have the third best. You know, non penalty XG in the league. Like they, by all numbers possible, FPL, not FPL, they were the third best attack in the league last season. And not really any reason for that to change. And maybe they'll yeah. even make some signings. Yeah. And that was the first full season with the manager. So they have that out of the way and everyone kind of knows what's happening a little bit more. And I mean, it's, you can't really subscribe to the notion that you're worried about his minutes when they have one game a week for like a month or whatever. You know, I mean, this is the other thing, right? We need to remember is that players that were rotated last season at the beginning of the season when there are no other competitions, it's it's a different different conversation. So you know, you do have that those mid table teams where you know maybe the manager's gonna. Put someone in, like one of the second choice players in like game week three just to give them a start so they don't get too stale or something. But by and large, there's no rotation in the first, you know, few game weeks. So I think Aubameyang is, a, is I, I, like, I would rather have him than Kane game week one. I like that. I like that a lot. Obs is good, man. He just burned me so hard. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe I should be, yeah, I mean, I, maybe yeah. I should be. Focusing my anger and frustration towards Emery more than Obs, though I do like Obs. Well, it's the other thing, right? I mean, you need to be open to a quick transfer because game week yeah. three they're at Liverpool, four home Spurs at Watford, like you know, and they're obviously a really fucking bad away team. But um, and then you're the first two games eventually start. Yeah, exactly. But like those first two games at Newcastle, I, I mean, the caveat I just said that they're horrible away, which was true last year and probably will be true this year. It's, well, it's been true the last two years, but Newcastle are just a different kettle of fish. I mean, they look like they look like Huddersfield this year so yeah, far. But so Steve Bruce, dude, he might come yeah, in and tubby. save the, save everything. Tubby Steve, he's in a fucking biased kid first order of business. <laughs> Someone on Slack asked, like, who's the first manager to be fired? It was just whoever uh, Newcastle Steve fucking Bruce. hired. Oh, yeah, Steve God, Bruce 100%. Fucking Steve done, Bruce so. is not even hired yet. He's already Bucky's odds. Oh, nailed on Bucky's odds. <laughs> nailed on, no question. Um, but, like, you know, you, you take the at Newcastle home Burnley instead of home Villa at City. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's particularly close. Um, yeah. That's oh, yeah, I don't know. Just just a, just a thought. I haven't really seen too many people talking about Aubameyang, and and the reason why I've been seeing people dismissing him out of hand again, just to ram it home, is that his minutes were inconsistent last year. But just remember this: we do get a transfer every week, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean Arsenal. There were like no consistent midfielder. I mean, there were just no FPL viable midfielders all season. There was like a very small window of time when Rambo was a thing, but it was really just OBS and Laka, and it looks like it's probably going to be the same this year. But also I wanted to transition to another thing that popped out on my 
on my journey yesterday through FPL, and that was just Chelsea are so fucking weird. And I kind of had flashbacks to last season, preseason, when I was looking at this Chelsea team because my head immediately was like, there's got to be some value here. Like, there's no expensive players on the entire Chelsea roster and they're transfer banned, so they're not going to bring in anyone. But at the same time, I remember saying that last season and being like, one of Pedro or Willian are going to like be extremely good value because they were like 6'5 or 7 or whatever last season. And neither of them were really options. I mean, there was a little run of Pedro. Willian's always inconsistent with his minutes and his play. Like, I don't know, is Rude, if Giroud starts for them, then yeah. But I don't know why Batshuayi and Abraham aren't in the game yet. I don't know what's going on there. Pulisic is like a complete, like, unproven unknown so are they just like a complete stay away or are is there value there like i don't know what to make of chelsea yeah i mean game week one it's not even no chelsea players even remotely close to being on my team like i would have norwich players on my team before i put a chelsea player (laughs) on my team like you say i mean they have infinity number of midfielders it's just so many plus two of their best ones are injured who are going to come back and upset the apple cart yeah, I mean, you mentioned Bats and, and Tamala with G up top. You know, from what I've read, Lamps like does rotate, did rotate a little bit. So we just need info, uh, complete info. I yes, can't believe Lamps is, is their manager. What the hell? Yeah, Fat Frank in baby, <laughs> Fat Frankie boy, <laughs> Jose, Jose, Jose. <laughs> so I, we just need information. We don't know who's playing. We don't know if any of these little boys are going to be good or not. So. The prices are obviously ridiculous. Like we've never had a year when, when you look at a team like Chelsea and no one's over like seven five. Yeah, it's but, absurd. Yeah, but we just—I mean, maybe Hudson Odoi is that player. Like he's six, but he's also just a small child. So the one thing I can tell you is Willian never going to be in my team this year. I don't give a fuck what he does. I despise him and I think he's diabolical. But I mean, I've he seen people talking about him. Scores but, between like a hundred and hundred thirty. Whether he gets. 2,700 minutes or 1,500 yeah. minutes. So it's just, he's it's consistently just not bad. an option, really. He's con- and, but people love him still. I don't know. Because it it's a Jamie Foxx lookalike. Everyone thinks about, like, you know, angry bosses and shit. I don't know. <laughs> and Pedro also is another player that I actually do like. But he's just, I don't know. He's just not going to. I mean, if there, was, if there was a player called, like, Pedrian. Oh. And it was like eight million. That would be the first name of my team. Or, legs or, attached to Pedro, yeah. oh or Will, Will, Willadro. Like, give me a combo session with the hair and the Spanish, like white teeth, good looks. You have a player there. If there's some like mad scientist out there who could, who could do a little morph morph job, but as it is right now, it's just just a bunch of fucks and it's a yeah. mess. So and we don't know sick, what the like, fuck know. formation Pulisic is gonna do. Like. It Pulisic like has all the skills, and and you know you watch him in some games. It's like, oh wow, he's fucking amazing. But again, he's a fucking small child, and it's not. He has never had a season where he's put up good like numbers for FPL like anywhere. That's so what I was like, about why? To say. Like he plays a lot of minutes over the years for Dortmund. He never scored more than four goals. You know, like he's not like the type yeah. of guy where you're like, oh my god, he's going to come in and start. Putting up FPL returns, that's just like unrealistic. So, no, I mean, it's going to be a very much a transitional year for them. I don't think there's a lot of expectation there. 
I mean, top six is surely within what they should do based on you know the dearth of quality in, in the in the division. But in terms of FPL game week one, I think it's just a it's just a really like monitor, see yeah. who's getting forward, see what's up. I have seen Christensen in some teams because he's five million and. Apparently, R- Rudiger is still hurt or something. I, I just don't. That's not a place I want to be. Getting a five million defender. Period. Like it's kind of straddling those two sides um, of either having someone I want to start every week, or if I want to rotate, then I'm probably not going to go there. But you know, if he looks like starting and that fits your team or whatever, I, I'm not going to you know go crazy about a five no, million Chelsea fine. defender. So. But, but like other than Vert, that, but like yeah, it's, Vert it's, is five five, and I just feel so exactly. much better that, about Vert. So this is this is exactly kind of what I meant when I was referring to when I'm like straddling both sides is like go to four five and rotate, or go to like a five five who's more reliable to start every week, right? Yeah, that just seems obvious to me. Um, okay, so that's Chelsea. Um, and you're I, picking the teams that are like we have no idea, kind of like well, we need to settle, <laughs> and that's kind of why they stuck out. I think because it was just like yeah. it's just me sitting at a computer. I'm like eating watermelon, and I'm just looking at this team, and I'm just like my eyes are unfocusing, and I'm like, what is happening here? I can't like figure out what the fuck is going on right now. Um, that's not material for the wank bank. I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Just like shirt some beautiful off, water, underwear, beautiful watermelon, watermelon juices just like slowly dripping off your oh, chin through my chest oh, hair. God, Alon, calm, calm down, Alon. <laughs> okay, calm down. Back oh my okay. god. Okay. Um, um. Then just lastly, before I think we go to questions, or if you have anything you want to talk about, is just Lester. Um, I mean, IOC Perez, obviously one of the only notable moves so far all summer. Um, also, they were really good, especially from a fantasy perspective. Once Braj came in at the uh, you know last ten matches or whatever that was last season, there's a lot of guys that are interesting, um, and they're priced pretty favorably considering how they finished the season. I think. Um, their prospects are good. There's a lot of guys there. It's Lester feeling pretty good to me right now. Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of horses at that stable, right? They have Perez. A lot of guys. They got they got TL Tielemans. TLs is back and Maddo, and they're all seven six five six five. So, you know, everyone's kind of jamming a Lester midfielder in their team because of that perceived value, and there is obviously a lot of value there based on, like you mentioned, the the attack with Braj once he got them kind of going in the last you know ten ish games that look very good. Um, I, I'm just a little bit kind of similar to you know maybe Spurs when I was talking about Kane is just the formation. I just I just don't know what it's going to look like, and you know Telemans was really outperforming his stats last year, and you know he's young, he can improve. That he's really classy, eye test. So I mean, he might be one of those players who does outperform his stats. Yeah. But the underlying stats, that said, are, were nothing to write home about. You yeah, know, he's like just, a defensive he's, midfielder. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's like a DM. So six five for a DM. Normally, you're like what? And you know, you have like Millie is who's seven, but he gets ten pens because Zaha's on the team. So that's another conversation. But you know, usually DMs yeah. are not six five. So. So I'm a little bit um, skeptical of how he'll be able to maintain his statistical output for FPL. I mean, he's obviously a classy player in real life, so I'm a little bit wary on that. And then, you know, Maddo, who was the opposite of that, sort of had all the stats in the world, but 
no returns. And he's the kind of player who I test as reminds me kind of of like a Bernardo Silva type player where he's just he's not as good I don't think even as close as good but you know kind of like the hockey assist assist the assister sort of like he hit a lot of shots blocked it's just kind of low percentage shots he kind of shits himself in front of goal a little bit so I'm like not that excited about Maddo either I mean he had a good point return last season for yeah. just like his first year you know seven and seven's pretty good and I would be surprised if he doesn't top that but I don't know his role. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm just not. He just doesn't excite me that much, especially someone like Madison and even like Tielemans to an extent. You know, the first two fixtures, home wolves at Chelsea. Like, I expect their midfielders to be better FPL assets when they have easier fixtures and they have more of the ball and they're not, yeah. you know, kind of countering or, or trying to clog things up in the middle third. And those first two games don't really scream that like script to me. They're pretty bad so, fixtures. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty bad for the in terms of kind of them having possession and the midfielders, you know, really getting having lengthy involvement in the attack. So, I mean, which comes to Ioza, you know, we've we love him. I I love him. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was really talking like about him too. Yeah, I mean, we talk about him pretty often on this pod. So, I I'm interested to see if he's going to be playing like wide right or if he's going to be like a support striker, or if he's going to kind of have like a more, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know yeah, if he's going like, to try to do Brad like the go back to the two diamond top. SAS. Yeah, yeah and he's exactly. going to play like partnering. So, which all of this leads me back to just Vardy at nine. And I think that's a really good price and there's yeah. value there for Vardy yeah. because he's Fixture proof, which we know that's not a question. You know, he's off the counter when they're playing bad teams. He's got pens, like he's just always in the box yeah. making those runs. And, you know, whoever and wherever all of these really good players are playing behind him or around him can't be like bad for him. It can only, you know, I mean, it could be maybe they're more disjointed because they have to fit in different players initially. But, you know, I'd rather take that risk with, you know, the guy on pens who like can hit anyone on the counter than one basically a thirty three percent chance of picking the right midfielder. So I, I'm more leaning towards staying away from the midfield and getting someone like Phrase and monitoring very closely and just jumping on whichever one looks best after the first couple game weeks, rather than the other way around. Um, but yeah, I, I think it has to be said. There's a lot of value there, and, and if I was going to pick one, I would, I would go with Perez. I would go with Iose. I think for sure. Yeah, and, and that's you? the type of thing, Perez, that I think we will actually learn a lot through the preseason matches. We'll kind of know where he's playing, what kind of role he's playing, yeah. if he's scoring goals, it's assisting goals, etc. We'll kind of get a read of that, I think, in preseason. But yeah, I mean, I, I think. Overall, I mostly agree with you. I mean, we mentioned the first two fixtures, home wolves at Chelsea, bad fixtures. Three and four are good. You know, at Sheffield, home Bournemouth, really good. And then five, six, again, it's away United, home Spurs. You know, they have Liverpool and eight. Like, you could make the case to me that, like, we're not going to really want a lesser player until game week nine. And I think that's totally a reasonable way to to think about it because they have three good fixtures in the first eight game weeks, and the rest are bad. Like you don't want their midfielders. Like maybe Vardy scores in like half of those or something, but that's still not really that good. So that's kind of where I'm at with Leicester. Just I just think the fixtures are are very bad. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that medium term, you know, first couple months of the season are, are just bad fixtures, full stop for everything, defense and attack. So I, Vardy's been like in and out of my team. I, I'm still very much playing with his spot. He's yeah. in my roster, but it is kind of coming back to me of that idea of like, we always with Vardy for the last couple of seasons are looking of like when they have a good run of fixtures to like hop on him, but then he does bad in those runs. And yeah, and he scores against you, every top six. Yeah, he's, he scores against Spurs. He scores against United. You know, he scores against Chelsea. So, so I'm not sure. It's just kind of that nine is an awkward spot for yeah, forward, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, I want to talk about price structure for a little bit today at some point, but. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a strange one. There's no kind of straight swap. I mean, if you're going to go big downgrade, you know, you free up a lot. It's kind of a little awkward. If, and going up to the 11 million spot is tough. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Vardy, a preseason will help, help a lot, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, from my end, that's pretty much all that I like that really, st- you know, Stood out to me, but you know we have a million questions and all that stuff. But yeah. is there something that you want so, to talk yeah. about price structure? Yeah, whatever? I mean, I, I do. Want, I think I want to talk about some more like strategic things than yeah. like specific players and teams and blah yeah, blah yeah, blah blah. Because yeah. so one thing is the the prices this season are unlike any other year I've played FPL. The the forwards is just like. Bonkers, crazy! In that, I think there are like something like fourteen teams in the division whose starting strikers are like seven million or less. So usually, that's a dumpster fire price bracket, like the six-five striker, yeah. the six-five and below striker, where maybe there's one who jumps in and is good, and that's it. But mm-hmm. this season, you know. There are a lot of options in that price bracket. So having even two spots on your team going into game week one that are in that price bracket gives you a lot more flexibility than it has done in seasons past in that you have lateral swaps that you could potentially jump onto and not have to like double or triple move and rip your team structure up. So, you know, I seen King in a ton of teams because they have the first two, Jota or Dale Fay or whoever the fuck, like I mean, Jimenez is still seven five. I haven't seen him in as many teams because he's a donkey piece of shit, which I get. But there's just a lot of a lot of options there. So unlike in seasons past, where we kind of like caution against being there, I think this season you have a lot more freedom to to be there. So that's one thing I've noticed. What do you think? Anything about that that sucks out to you? I mean. I keep saying it because it's true that like I haven't really fully gotten in there yet, so it's hard for me to sort of comment on like a, a broad strategy perspective. But what I thought of when you were talking is just this sounds like a really bad idea and a trap. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like to it's, me, this I just sounds like, don't like think it is starting last season with like three seven five midfielders. Like to me, that sounds very similar. And yeah, I don't. I, and I look I just, through, and there are there are a lot of names like King, Barnes, Wood, Jota, Delafeu, fucking ECL. I mean, all, every. I mean, and it must, like there's guys. Che, che Adams, Che, che Adams, Adams, even Chicharito. I mean, it, like there are Chicharito, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, but they're it also all must be said that kind of bad. And, every year, but yeah. and then every year, there all of the promoted teams all have their striker too, and like I mean, every year, like one of them's good. 
every single season. Yeah. And one of them at six is value. And the thing about it that is, is, is important is just that they're so cheap that it just doesn't really take that much for them to be giving you value. And it's allowing you to put another premium player in your team, basically. So I understand where you're coming from. And it, I mean, that's why we didn't put like three mid price midfielders last season. Like none of us did that. I mean, that, that was like extreme, but I just don't like, I don't think like four, three, three with like two players in this bracket and then a premium striker and then having like premiums elsewhere is a bad strategy this season. I think it's kind of like the idea of like just adapting. And like to me, it goes against everything that we've played, how we've played this game for every yeah. every year. Like this is never something we ever would have considered doing. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, a couple of years ago, we like loved like Gomis, and we were like on the fuck and on that was him. The only guy, one. yeah. And like that was the only, and that was a true punt. And I don't feel like these picks are as punty because they're on established teams, like Kings on Pens. Like they have good fixture at the beginning. Like he's obviously not going to be incredible. He's a six-five mid uh, striker who's just like can't finish and it's kind of bad. But at six-five, it just doesn't take that much. You know, it, it really just doesn't take that much. Like yeah. you know, Jota, Jerry D. Like they finished the season strong. Like you know, there's just a lot of guys there. So I, I just I don't think that it, you should dismiss it out of hand because totally. of last season. I'm just saying like it's something to think about a little bit critically, and it might be a little bit too many eggs in one price. Structure basket for you, but I think it's just an interesting strategy point that I was just kind of looking at as I was looking through the players. That I just want to bring up so you you know you can look at it as you like you Alon and you listener to see if you if you like your your tinker with something like that. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean I'm looking at it now. I I mean I I made a tinker yesterday because I felt like I had to make a tinker, and what I ended up with had two really cheap strikers, but basically a rotating like. Uh, let me see what six players for four spots is what I have right now, which is something that we talked about a lot last season, and you had a lot of success with the last season. And I don't know, so, I just fucking put so, it together. Yeah. So. so one thing about that too, because that's that's come up in Slack a lot, and you know, there's a few things that we talked about at the end of last season pod that I want to come kind of come back, circle back to. I need to re-listen. Yeah. Um. The rotating strikers or attackers idea, like I, it, it really to me just doesn't work. Is not viable for a game week one team because oh, all that it. that's gonna all that's gonna really do is you having the maximum amount of attacking punts in your team because you know seven million and under players with no information going into the new season are all punts to a degree. So the benefit of you know narrowing it down to one or two means that you can have known quantities and, and more premium price players in your other slots. We just don't know like who the mid to cheap attacking teams are going to be good. Like we don't know if like Che Adams is going to be the guy who is, should be in every team at six million because Hassan Huttel's like kind of picking it up from last year. They're scoring goals. Like he looks good coming in. Like we don't know who those players are. You know, we don't know which midfielder on Leicester is going to be good yet. Yes, like, but we know that Everton and Bournemouth and and Wilf and you know Southampton and to some extent Watford. Like we know we, roughly who will make up the mid table. And I feel yeah, but like confident Wilf in and like Fraze and Siggy and Wilf and yeah, but these are not rotatable players. These are players that are starting every week. When I'm saying rotating oh, players, I, like I'm I, thinking I, about it's rotating. max six point. I think yeah, I think that's too much money on the bench. Then I mean, I'm talking about like maximum six point five, but really, I'd want to be more like six million to if I'm rotating midfielders and a striker or something like six five six five even five five. I think if you're paying seven plus, like that's a player you're starting every week. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean that's. No, again, what are you going to bench Wilf when we're one, but no, I know, but it's like Wilf is like, what are you going to bench him when we're like away to the top six? Like that's those are like the best games for him, you know. I mean, yeah, like you're going to bench Siggy, like he's on pens. Like you're going to bench him ever? Like that doesn't make sense. He's yeah. eight, you know. Happily bench Siggy game week one away Palace. Like that, that's what I had in my mind. Like that's bad. He that's a bad fixture. Everton probably going to score like one max or something. I don't know. We've been bad at home for two years. I think that we'll probably lose that game. Yeah, yeah. Know. It doesn't. I mean, this isn't nitpicking. Whatever the players, but totally, that's totally, for me. Totally. Like that's my like strategic like view on the rotating attackers. Like I want to. I would rather wait and do it when I know which cheap players I can rotate and which fixtures are good and which teams are good. And you know, who's I, nailed I, at and this, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, at this point, like we see all the three promoted teams, like. It could be that Sheffield United, when they're playing at home, like is a bad attacking fixture. Like that wouldn't surprise me. But like we just don't know. Like you know, know. It, like, yeah. we don't know yet. So those are the kind of things. You know, I mean, it could be that like fucking Sharp is fucking the best thing of life, and at six million, it's a joke. Sharp at home, and is he's captain, nail yeah, like, captain every week. Yeah, and like that's the player. You know, that's the kind of thing. Like I, I, I need the info. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. ro- rotating bad early doors. I think I think so. No, you're ma- you're making sense Senate. to me, but it's what I put together, so whatever. All right. No, no, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Um, um, anything else, or should I just start on questions? Um, I think the one final thing I just want to talk about before we go to questions is just the importance to remember that you know, we we get excited. T- well, you don't, but I and, and probably most of the <laughs> listeners get excited tinkering when the game comes out, and you know we're looking at the players switching combos around and stuff, and we're you know chatting to lads and, and wherever we go for content. It is important to remember that we get a transfer every week. We have a wild card that we're going to pop within the first couple months, and the players you're putting in your team, you don't need to keep for 38 game weeks. I'm seeing, you know. When I'm saying these things, I'm kind of looking at the KDBs of the world where, you know, you need to just look at like what your view is on your early wild card and think about if you are really planning for the eight to 12 week period or if you're planning for like the three to five game week period. Um, because, you know, those, those like tick along type players, you know, you, you, Aren't going to really catch lightning in a bottle with them like you would with a player like maybe Richarlison, who's a hot and cold, like could get a lot of points in a few games type of player, versus like Siggy, who will probably outscore him throughout the course of the season, but it's going to be on more of a slow drip kind of a thing. So if you are playing for like, you know, using that early wild card, just don't be too afraid to take maybe like one or two more risks to try and catch some of that. It would be my thing. Um, Then getting those like safe players or like, oh, I'm going to get. The center back because the fullback might rotate once in a while, you know those types of things. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you could be maybe a little bit less risk averse in your game week one team because you know we do have that wild card. And the other thing that must be said with early wild card, which is something that you know I get blinders about, is that which we kind of talked about last season's pod is that we do get like the most important information that we get all season that we can put into action with our team is between game weeks like one and four, or one and two, one and three. When we have all of these new teams, we have a lot of new managers, we're getting our first look at all the new players, evaluating who's looking good, who's looking like value, what teams look good, it's how teams are setting up, etc. The earlier that you are able to put action into your FPL team with that, like theoretically, the longer you'll have them in your team, so like the better it could be. So that's you know, that's another like early wild card advocacy 
thing to think about. Um, yeah, and we also you know, might not learn work who for you. But... Terrible. Like we learn who yeah. ha- who has potential to lose five nil and who you yeah, want who to exploit and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's arguments for every possible thing and way to play it. But you know, I'm just just throwing that out there because I'm seeing a lot of teams with like Siggy, KDB. You know, like. And I'm, and they're just like, oh, they're gonna get like 200 points, like Kane, like they're all gonna get 200 points if they're fit this season. And it's like, okay, bro, but like, are you gonna keep these players for 38 game weeks? You know, that's not really how the <laughs> game works. Yeah, I mean, that's just not how the game works. So you know, playing the fixtures a little bit more, and you know, those kinds of things, I think, is is a way, is something. You know, it's kind of back to like the, going OBS instead of Kane. You know, looking at those two. You know, giving. You know, if you catch like 18 or 25 points from OBS in the first two game weeks. You know, it's hard to envision that Kane gets that when he's got a two pointer, maybe a one pointer against City in his first two. I mean, he could hat trick against Villa. I have no idea, but you know, you're just stacking those up, right? It's more yeah, likely yeah, yeah. probably the other. So that kind of thing is what I'm thinking, talking about. So I think just you know, oh, man, I'm just that, that, I'm starting to catch the bug, man. I just want to tinker more, figure more shit out. Oof. So all right, let's talk about the early wild card because it is something that I thought about. I know that we talked about it on on the. Post mortem pod at the end of last season, which I do need to re listen to. But how do we do it? What's the strategy? Vinay on Slack said, apart from three Liverpool, three City, which players should we should we be looking at for the first three game weeks if you're looking a wild card early? And Mitch on Slack said, Walsh mentioned the idea of putting greater emphasis on planning for an early wild card. If you were to do this, would you go all in with triple ups or still hedge your bets with some long longer term picks? Um, I mean, there's there's a lot there, but I, I think so. Just to, as a starting point, I think it's a lot more difficult to kind of dead end your team game week one for like a game week two or game week three wild card, and really have there be a lot of advantage to that. Mainly because Liverpool's fixtures are just incredible. So, like, what I would have hoped, and I mean, City's fixtures are a little bit mixed, but they're still pretty good with Bournemouth and West Ham one and three. What I would have wanted to see would be like Liverpool having tough fixtures and City having tough fixtures at the beginning of the season where you could kind of swerve them. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when everyone else is planning like, oh, they have some bad fixtures at the beginning, but I want them because they're really good teams, et cetera. Like then I would want to try and swerve them and jam like, you know, maybe some Spurs or Arsenal or whatever other players in who have really good short term fixtures and then maybe tough fixtures like game weeks four to seven or three to eight or something. So. The one thing that I'm kind of seeing is that there isn't really a team other than Arsenal who has like really good opening three fixtures and then they get really difficult in that they're teams that I would want to have FPL assets. Like you have Bournemouth and Everton, for example, and they have good opening fixtures, but they also have really good fixtures until like game week 10. Yeah. So getting them in wouldn't really lead to an early wild card. It would just lead to like a good team. So I just don't see, and you know, early wild card. I, I'm thinking really by like game week four when I say early wild card. Yeah, because if it's we're just talking like about like game week two, then I, I think Spurs would be a major candidate, right? Just home Villa, and then they have away City, so you want to get rid of all of them. But yeah, and but the other two, thing that about is ridiculous, like, are you going to wild card game week two? Like, I don't. Yeah, it's, I just it's don't tough. understand need, yeah. the early wild card because neither. Neither of us have ever even like really thought about it or, or tried it or you know. Yeah, I mean I think it would probably be like game week three, maybe you yeah, would look at it. But, yeah. But the other thing about that is like what are you really gaining when everyone has three Liverpool and two or so city players from planning your team this way? 
Because if you don't get those, if you don't get the Liverpool and City players, like they should destroy. I mean, Liverpool have home Norwich at Southampton. Like you think that they're not going to win both those games by significant margins. Like that doesn't seem reasonable. And then City, you know, they have the tough one against Spurs, but they're at West Ham. Like that could be four 0 I don't know. So you're not like gaining that much yeah. if you're planning an early wild card because you you kind of need to have those players because they're the best players in the game and they have really good fixtures anyway. So it's a tough it's tough to do the early wild card. So that's one thing, and I just don't think it's really conducive. Really, is what I'm saying. But so, but I we still did, one thing we did talk about regarding the early wild card. I remember is that like we talked about this kind of exactly like. Duh, we're still going to start with like Liverpool players. and City players, but aren't like is it worth wildcarding to get all of the sort of like trendy, really looking good fringe players along with the City and Pool guys, or you know, and not having to like use transfers or take hits to get those guys? Is that worth a wildcard? It might be, you know, like it last yeah. year it would have been if you got like. Frazier, Callum, and Jimenez after, you know, wildcard game week four or something. Like, then it was worth it, like, by far. But yeah, uh, I mean, not every look, year. That, no, I agree. I agree with that. That's, But that's not really something, like, you can necessarily plan for. That's the kind of thing, you know, like, I have Callum and, and Fraze in my team right now. And if they, like, 1-1 draw Southampton, like... One one draw Villa. Like I'm like okay, this is a problem. They're playing City, and then I also have like one or two other problems. I'm like I can fucking wild card. Like that's fine. Yeah. So like that's the kind of thing. Maybe we should will be more open to doing it if right. there's like four players or something, and there's like some other guys we want to jump onto. But you can't really plan for that. I think it's just planning to be open minded to using it in that way. Right. right? So and that's yeah. just that's how the fixtures were drawn up. There's nothing that we can like really do about that. I think that's right. Yeah. Interesting. Um on the note of like early early strategy, <laughs> two people wrote in about triple capping in game week one because Liverpool of Norwich, I think. Jeff Dion Slack said, talk about triple cap game week one. And he followed that up with a Salah emoji and a Norwich emoji. And then Mitch on Slack called me out and he said, question for Alon. On the season review pod, you said, if Liverpool or City are home Norwich in game week one, I'm fucking using triple captain in game week one. Do you stand by this statement? So I guess I fucking have to. Like, I don't know what else to say about that. I don't really value the chips that much and. That is a very good fixture, so maybe I'll just do it. Yeah, I don't know. As of right now, I don't have any Liverpool attackers, so that would be make it a little bit more difficult. But uh, I might have to just do it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, triple captain is just such a ridiculously low value chip to me. It's like I was just talking to someone on Slack about the triple cap. Like we, I don't know. I really, genuinely don't understand like what the psychology is behind the triple cap or bench boost chips why we think about them throughout the whole season as like this silver bullet when if you think about the triple captain ship and it's giving you like i mean best case maybe like 14 or 15 points you know worst case four or five six points picking like spending time to do research on your 6.5 million striker and picking player A instead of player B if you get that one right, is worth like five triple captain chips. Oh, so yeah, easy. I mean, that's the kind. That's like just to put it into perspective. Is like 
it just really doesn't matter that much. So if you want to use the game week one, I fully endorse that. I think that's fantastic. Good job by you if you're feeling the balls to the walls and you want to start the season off with a bang. Just fucking do it. It just doesn't really yeah. matter. It's yeah. just not that just important. It. Yeah. Period. It's just not that important. It just does not have an impact on your overall season really at all. It's just not important. Yeah, and we kind of covered that in the postmortem when I was looking back at like my team, your team, Hive Mind, Derek, and the guy who finished, I think, ninth overall. It was kind of like the captaincy numbers didn't really correlate with how we all finished. The the chip numbers didn't really correlate with how we finished, et cetera, et cetera. It was more of the the big things. The guys, like you said, like picking the right guy, jumping on the right bandwagon, making the right transfer. Those yeah, are the things you, that yeah, make you. That's how you chunk rise. It's not like you get one week you right, fucking triple. Yeah. And the other thing that you need to think about with triple captain too is like everyone uses it. So when you get. Like an eight pointer off triple captain, you're not getting eight points against the field. You're getting like four because everyone's getting four points when they're using it on the double game weaker, right? Like from minutes played, basically. Yeah. So, like, it's even like less value than you probably think it is, or you're getting less than you think you are because everyone else uses it. So, if you get 20 from your triple captain, like, obviously that's good, but you're not getting plus 20 on the field. Like, you're getting more probably like plus. Plus ten or something, thirteen or something. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, yeah. it's so it's just like fuck on fucking triple captain. Such a disaster chip. It's just such a pain in the ass. So annoying. Chips are so fucking annoying. triple ca- chips are just so bad. I don't understand why they add this fucking bullshit to make more like variants of dumb shit in the game. It's just so dumb. Yeah, hate it, hate it. All right, let's let's go questions big time now. Peter two three eight on Slack. Most important question: Are you going to listen to your lessons learned podcast from last year and? Actually, apply the lessons that you learned. Yeah, I mean, we have this kind of running narrative that we don't like <laughs> listen to ourselves or don't don't listen to lessons that, lessons learned. Thing, but I, I mean, it's it's true to a degree, but it's also false to a degree. Like I, I had like you know Erickson in my team game week one last last year, and that was yeah, something premium, like I was premium keepers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and premium keepers. So I mean, like right now, I have four premium. I mean, I was saying like pre- defense is where the value was, and I want to go in. So like I haven't shifted my. Back four f- away from triple Liverpool defense and and, and Dean for a w- two weeks. I, I haven't touched it. So yeah. I mean, goalkeeper, I'm still on the fence about, but I still maintain that you know that's where the value is. So I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that. I, premium goalkeeper is very much up in the air. I'm not sure about that one, but yeah. No, yeah, I, I mean, gonna, I, gonna, I, I will. Try. I will listen. Like I plan on listening for sure, and and trying. Yeah. And we're both always trying to improve. As much as we fuck around and are like, you know, whatever, entertaining more than we are maybe, you know, serious like the other boring ass pods, like we still want to do Perhaps better and, and want to improve and like want to learn from, you know, past seasons and shit. So, yeah, I mean, one thing I am definitely not going to listen to is when I was kind of going off about not getting players who had significant price hikes because. The Bournemouth fixtures one two are just like fuck me, you know. <laughs> and I have, I mean, phrase at seven five and column at eight. I mean, they've been in my team for a while as well. It's just kind of trying to spike those first two, seeing how they look, and then potentially, you know, maybe even double swapping them out because I don't really think that their fixtures after game week three are good from an attacking standpoint. Like I think Atlaster is pretty bad. I think Home Everton is pretty bad. So. 
even though that game actually, for some reason, Everton and Bournemouth when they play is usually a little mental kind of a game. But yeah, home against so that's not one top thing. six, I still back Bournemouth to like score some goals. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Everton could be, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But anyway, you know, if I'm looking at the after the game week two, we're, we're going to have to talk about Bournemouth as the season goes on a lot because it's going to be a difficult one. But like after game week two, when I'm looking at like home city at Leicester, if they're not like, yeah, if they didn't yeah, score yeah. like six goals in the first two games, then I would be very nervous about holding those two players anyway, is, is what I'm thinking right now. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Craig on Slack, do you see any immediate four million options this year? Um, oh, they didn't put any U three players in the midfield game for some <laughs> reason. Yet. I guess they're 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 waiting for like the, it to advantage the FPL Towers actual teams to add yeah. those players to the game. I guess yeah. later, but um, the, there's obviously no starting fours that we know of right now. The I have uh, Ben Gibson in as my fifth defender just because I'm not going to spend four or five for my third bench spot. He, I, I, we've gone on record both as thinking that me and Tarkovsky are just garbage players, and I maintain that. So I, I actually think Ben Gibson is a quality player, and I think he's better than both of those center backs. So, I mean, I haven't had a lot of sample size, but I, I did watch a fairly decent amount of Burrow games when yeah, they had he Tony was good P. For yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's just really capable, and and he will be able to do. Anything that I mean, what little Dyche asks of the center backs are just like stand here in the passing lane. Head. I out. think he can. Yeah, I think Gibson could do anything that me and Tarkovsky do, and then also be able to not be a complete liability if he does happen to find both his feet outside of his own penalty box. <laughs> so I have him in, but other than that, I, I mean, there's just no options. The period. Yeah, I haven't so really maybe seen something. Anything. Yeah, maybe something will come. In the transfer window, or we'll see an injury and formula player emerges. But the the other main issue is other than Gibson, like at four, and I might be missing one or two players. But you know, you the last year was like a such a gift with one B because not only was he starting every week, but he somehow was like the, one of the best right backs in the league. But Palace were also a team where you could reliably rotate, so he was like an actual starter. Yeah. And this season, like, even if we have, like, oh, great, like, the Norwich center back is four, like, you literally never want to start the player. So it doesn't even really matter that much. Yeah. So having that, you know, safety blanket, like, you're always going to put that guy third on your bench behind, like, Dundonker or whatever. So it's kind of dumb. I don't know. It doesn't matter, I guess, yeah. is what I'm getting at. Like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad on Slack. Last season, early doors, you answered my question about team structure and price points. Well, Walsh did. Alon didn't understand it. Good, good job by me. I'm curious how you're approaching it this year, given the focus on defense. Are you thinking in terms of particular price slots in each position? And if so, what are they? For example, defenders will be seven, seven, five, five, four, five, and then you'll look at players at those prices, or will you first look to individual players and their value and base your team price structure around that? I understand what you're saying, Brad. Well, if you understand it, let's give you the first crack at uh, answering <laughs> it this year alone. I mean, I, I never really took the approach of looking at, at it by price structure. Like I didn't I didn't think about price structure and then make my first tinker, but I'm very aware of flexibility and I think flexibility is super important. So in a way I'm kind of doing it backwards. Um, I'm kind of building a rough team, a rough tinker or something, and then thinking about, okay, what if fucking Redmond sucks or whoever, whatever player I have in there, like, 
where can I go, what are the lateral moves, who do I like in the price bracket around, and also what price brackets am I omitting from the tinker, what players are going to be two transfers to get to instead of one, which is bad. I mean, you only get 38 free transfers, so having to use two to get somewhere is usually a hit and hits are bad. So, yeah, I'm definitely aware of it, Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much to add. The only thing I've just noticed this year that is very unique is that I'm seeing a lot of one striker teams. Mm. Um, even with like King, like just like one Whoa. cheap striker, and then they have like Move and Sterling and like KDB and whatever. It's like a four-five-one or something or five whatever. There are like. Kane, Obbs, Kuhn, like these are 200 point players. And I would be a little bit conscious of that. You know, even like, I mean, Vardy's nine. And, you know, there aren't eight, five, nine, five strikers this season, really. Like in seasons past, that's been like the striker, second striker price bracket, like an eight, five striker. I mean, you know, Calm's eight, Lock is nine five, Firm's nine five. I mean, Firm, you know, should be in zero percent teams actual, but yeah, like Rashford's eight five. That could come in, but you know, realistically though, those three like Kuhn, Obbs, and Kane are all gonna be really good if they play. So I would be a little bit like aware of that. I wouldn't necessarily just like put one in my team because whatever. But you know, making sure that it's not like a rip the team up to get there. Or conversely, like if you have Mo and Raz, you know, you could double swap one out to get one. So that, I mean, that's always a thing. But that's the only thing I've noticed, like price structure wise, which is very would make you very inflexible, is if you're going into it with that kind of a team. But otherwise, yeah, I, I agree with the things you were saying. You know, just kind of making sure you you see the lateral swaps. You, you know, you you kind of can go there. So. Yeah, like yeah being inflexible is bad. I mean, like you like you just said, and I think it's something that we both say often is like, you know, every player's a double swap away. Like, it, you know, you can always do like, you know, Raz and blah, blah, blah to get to OBS or whatever the fuck it is. But double swaps are expensive. Like double swaps, I don't, I don't know how to quantify the value of one free transfer, but I know it's really high. And we only get 38, and it's our most precious resource that we have for, like, you know, changing our team, making significant, you know, rises, gains, jumping on bandwagons, et cetera. So when we say everyone's a double swap away or whatever, like, that's. There is a big cost. There's a big cost. Like, a double swap sounds easy and nice and fun, and hits are fun and whatever, but that cost is great. You don't want your team to be a bunch of. Double swap aways, you know, that's like a desperation kind of like emergency move almost more than it is like a normal thing. Yeah. And that's the other thing is it's impossible to predict, but just thinking about how you use your transfers is, is it going to be a reactionary transfer? Is it going to be a plan ahead transfer? Like you don't know the answer to that until the game, the game week comes to an end. And, you know, ideally what the best use of their transfers is to kind of like not fuck around with your premiums too much. And be able to shift on and off like fixture swings for the spots on your teams where the fixtures really matter, like the Bournemouths or the Palaces or the Evertons or whatever of your team. Like being able to get on the player before a good fixture run and getting rid of your player whose good fixture run just ended, like Fraser or, you know, Siggy or whatever. That's where you can really make like, 
big gains against in with your OR. So, you know, if you're having to double swap, like getting in, you know, OBS for Raz if he gets hurt, you know, the, those things like happen. You can't avoid it, but you know, just something, to, just something to think. I don't. There's no point. I'm just yeah, kind yeah. of just postulating about you know what how we use transfers just to think about it a little bit in that way. Totally. Okay. Is this about to be a two-hour pod? Because there's a million more questions. Yeah. Why? Why would it be less than two hours? Oh my god. Here we go. Um, Phil on Slack. What are the biggest FPL fallacies that people get trapped by each season? Probably that the chips are important. Wild yeah, cards chips, important. Nothing yeah. else is important. That's a big one for sure. Um, one that I often fall into, and it sounds so ridiculous and stupid, you know, when you have perspective. But I think a lot of us fall into is like, don't don't get bad players in order to afford other bad players. And what I mean by that is like. You know, this is the time of the season where we're kind of like squeaking out every little point five to get this guy and point five to upgrade this guy. Like, make yeah. sure that the guy you're upgrading to is like a reliable, safe, good, you know, proven FPL guy on a good team before you squeak yeah. out every fucking point yeah, five in like, the rest of your team. And that comes back to like the question of like, are there any four million defenders? Like every time someone asks like which five point five million midfielders look good, like I'm like none. Like what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like none. Fuck you. Like don't do like that's not the right way to set your team up. Another thing I'm thinking, you know, is still to this day is like not following the herd mentality and thinking for yourself is so hard in FPL. It's like so you're, hard. I've been following. I've been participating this season for one day, and already people are like DMing me on Slack. Like, oh, are you following the big at the back trend? Oh, are you like on this guy, on this guy, on this guy? It just makes you think about stuff. Yeah, and because there is no like objectively correct answer, we're basically predicting stocks. And if you you have to just play the game your own way, and if you're happy to not really watch games or whatever, and you're just kind of like following them like names on your screen, and you and you see what the trends are, and you just follow the main trends. And they're trends for a reason. There there there's a lot into that, but like you could do it that way, but. Like, you know, something for me personally that I've like, like, you know, and I'm seeing, you know, Mo's in every team and people are like, how could you not have Mo? Like, did you see the fixtures? Like, auto cat Mo. And it's just like, when I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, like, I understand that he's probably going to be one or two midfielder, but I don't think the difference between him and like a Raz and a rotating cap is going to be the same as having a potential like 180 plus player, like, Trent or Van Dyke to getting someone like Vertongen. Like I don't I think the difference is better in the defender. So I but like resisting that after go spending like my life on FPL t- chat, like that's our <laughs> fucking half half of our job. Like I have to like do that. Like that's not easy and you know the more you go on the on on forums or message boards or whatever and you see like everyone calling people just like idiots basically for not having like their team. Yeah. Like you need to just remember that. So one thing I'm going to like try and think about doing is like if I have a player in my team who's like not a conventional wisdom type player, 
and I like look at the fixtures and I imagine like what's like the worst that can happen. Like if they blank like these three fixtures, like what would I feel? Like would I be like fucking furious at myself that I picked the player, or would I be like ah oh, it didn't come off? Like that difference is what I'm trying to like think about in advance because that way I'm not kind of just like picking the hive or the the herd player to cover myself. Like Bilva, for example. Like if I pick Bilva and he scored like ten points in the first like three or four game weeks, I would be fucking furious with myself because it's a player who I would have to be talked into picking. Is he really bandwagony like, right now? He's in like, not really, but he's in a lot of teams. Okay. Oh, but, wow. Like, so I'm looking at 30%. it thirty percent. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it kind of in that way, and I'm like. When people are like, oh, he's safe, he's on the best attack, I'm like, yes, I understand these things, but I just don't think he's a very good FPL asset right now. He's like more of a coverage pick to me. So like I think like backing yourself, like figuring out ways to like mentally trick yourself into how to back yourself will make you just have like more fun playing the game, in my opinion. So I don't know. That's something I'm gonna try and like try this year. Yeah, we're always trying to have fun and do well. Yeah, it's hard to. It's sometimes hard. they it's hard don't. Do they don't overlap, but sometimes yeah. they do. Yeah. Uh, Mishkan slot Kane versus Kuhn for the start of the season. Mish, Mish is back, baby. Mish is back. Um, We're all back. Yeah, I mean the answer is C. Aubameyang. It's it's not really particularly close to me. I would go with him. I mean, I think they're all good, right? I mean that that's my simple answer. I don't think any of these guys is like. Complete standout better than the others. Even OBS, I love the first two fixtures, but first two fixtures plus you're probably going to transfer them out. Again, like I don't know the value of a transfer, but I know it's a lot. Kuhn, you could probably just hold until he gets injured and he'll just be incredible as he always is. Like Kane, we don't know yet. Maybe he's, maybe he's the bottom of the three because there's all of these unknowns, but yeah, I, I mean, they're just all good. I don't have strong feelings. Yeah, I mean with Kuhn, right? You know, we we have pretty good sample. He's good for the home games. You know, he's got home Spurs, a couple bookended aways, and Kane's got the tough one in two. I just, I, I would just yeah. rather like go for the explosive option with the potential out of wild carding early or whatever. Yeah, than 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 those other two. But yeah, that, I mean that's just my opinion. Are that's kind of bad opinion. city, and it just yeah. You're, yeah, like they're right. good. I mean, they're like good, like Raz fixtures because they've mean, got all you know, their fixtures are good because they're good city, rad, but yeah. like yeah, they're city, but they're not ideal. Yeah, no, they're not ideal. They're not ideal. I mean, home Brighton's pretty good, but yeah, home Spurs. Yeah, they played Spurs. Spurs and them played two really tight games last season. You know, who knows what's gonna happen? This and round, away so Bournemouth is a five nil, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, at West Ham too is like kind of good on paper, but it's also kind of like Pellegrini did a good job against Pep last year. So yeah, he did a good job against. Unless I'm misremembering, I feel like all the against top six matches, it, yeah. I feel like West Ham were like pretty good. They're they're yeah, good they at sitting. If, yeah, they didn't get like battered too many times. I don't believe either. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they started the season really bad, and then I feel like they settled in. I don't know. There's so much I need to like. I have so much homework. After this, I need to listen to more shit and read more shit and really get back in there. So, well, TBD. Um, Ray on Slack. Ray, is Laporte worth 0.5 more than Walker game week one? Um, I, I mean, again, I, I think it depends on like your when you're going to pop the wild card. I don't really imagine a world where Walker gets more points than Laporte. He's just like really not overlapping enough. 
um, and, and creating enough chances to get there. And you know, I, I, Laporte had you know six returns last season, which was which was a lot, but he's fucking good in the box. So I think he could probably do something similar. But if you're if you're gonna you know you're gonna use your wild card before like game like seven or eight and you know I, I would rather have Laporte I mean he's point five more for a reason but if if that's a point five that gets you a little little bump elsewhere I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I basically agree. I mean, there's not that much yeah. else to say. I feel like Kyle Walker's been declining rapidly in front of our eyes. I mean, I feel like I he agree. was re- really bad last season and I agree. I agree. It makes sense when you're a player that's only strength or main strength, but you know, whatever is speed, pace. Pace. Yeah. yeah, pace, and he's like approaching thirty and has a lot of miles on his legs, and it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I, Laporte's fantastic. I don't know, um, the, but that's the thing. Like, if it's you're you're gonna still be able to use transfers and shit. So, if you just want to have that like defensive share in City. I could see that, and then yeah, you know Walker your team goes a little higher than it's totally, fine. and then like put putting Laporte in before they're about to like get all have all the fixtures, and you know Laporte's going to be the only absolute nailed center back in the team, or defender in the team besides Ederson. You know that's like I would rather do that, have him from like game week ten to for you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, the blob on Slack. I like seeing new guys in the question channel too because I haven't really been hanging out in Slack. It's good. There's some new guys in there. Uh, the blob on Slack. How many Liverpool defenders is optimal? I mean, two or three. It's not really. Yeah, I was about to say like it's less like than two is psycho, right? I I just don't think that Mo and Mane like makes any sense. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. I just don't see where there's value there. Um, I mean, having one of them, if you want to be captaining the player, is one thing. But having both, I mean, this Liverpool team, I guess. I mean, we we have, we're not going to get like too into I think like specific teams at this point with questions. But Liverpool were not really like high pressing and going for four or five goals last season. Like Klopp was conserving the team, and once they got one or two up. They just kind of coasted and cruise controlled for the game, and I don't see why that would change. Um, so I, I just don't see value in spending twenty-two million on two attackers when you're only yeah, capping. Especially one, Mane so. is still at Afcon, right? Like, yeah, who knows? He's the Senegal's got the final against Algeria coming up. Yeah. Recording this on Monday, I don't know when that is, but you know they had they kept twenty clean sheets last season, which. They conceded 22 goals and kept 20 clean sheets. I mean, underlying defensive statistics, like I don't know really how to make anything of that, but I don't really understand why they would regress. They were playing with like a child right back, a rotating second center back, and Robbo, VVD, and Allison. Allison's first year in the league. Fabinho's they first sh- year. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, a lot I mean, they, 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 sh- yeah. they should, like, Chelsea are worse, Spurs are whatever, Spurs are fine. Arsenal are who knows like I mean the rest of the division isn't like wow, everyone's so much better this year. Like they should I expect keep plus or minus like within two of those of that clean sheet total. Not to mention, you know, double digit assists from Trent and Robbo who are basically playing out of position. I mean Van Dyke could score fucking eight goals. I wouldn't be surprised. Like would that surprise you if he scored eight goals this year? No, I mean it 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 was a weird thing. So my mom 
barely follows it. She just kind of follows enough to be able to like talk to me about it because she knows I'm obsessed with Liverpool. But I remember her at one point saying to me that like she heard someone say like, yeah, but Van Dyke doesn't score enough goals. And I was like, I think it was like some dumb English announcer. Like she was watching a game or something and like doing Sudoku or something while the game was on and overheard that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really score goals, but like he's, he's, most people think he's the best defender in the world and Liverpool's defense is really good, blah, blah, blah. And then like soon after that, he scored a bunch of goals, like in the league and Champions League. He just like, it almost seemed like he just decided, like, okay, I need to score some goals here, some important ones too. And he just did. And it just seems like if he wants to go up more and, and go for that more, it's just the doors just open for him to just do whatever he wants. So yeah, I mean, he scored four goals, four assists last season. Yeah, you could you could easily see like six and two this season or something. How's your mom's team looking? It sounds like we need to know what who she's picking. I mean, I should have her make a team. She'll probably like do some crazy ass shit and have a way better team than me. She's gonna she's gonna figure out how to get uh, Tomer Hamad in her team. Tomer Hamed straight in. It's like, uh-huh. where are the Israelis? Yeah. Zahavi, or whatever that guy's name. <laughs> Remember that guy? No. no. It's like, is that like Zaha's no, like, he was Jewish on brother? Like, he was on like some Italian team, and I, I remember getting him in like, or telling you to get him in like Fantasy Champions League or something like that, but never mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, BVD could, could score a lot of goals. I don't think eight returns is like, you know. Ridiculous for him. So anyway, I mean, in, in short, you know, I, I mean, it should be two or three if you have Mo or not. Yeah, that seems correct. Chris on Slack, who's the best mid in the upper premium eight to nine bracket? I mean, what are there like four players in that bracket this year? I don't know. That bracket doesn't to, really. That bracket doesn't up, really. I can't. I can't wait. Doesn't really exist. But I mean, there's like Kev, um, Erickson, Paul. Siggy, Bilva, Rich, Rich, Rich. Yeah, that's basically it. That's basically the bracket. Yeah, I mean, like Ollie's there. I don't know where he's going to be playing, but and Ollie, um, I feel like is just like a non-option to start the season. Yeah, for sure. You need we need to see where he's playing. If he, he I mean, yeah. he could still be playing like in DM role. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it, but he's Ollie's. If he's not playing support striker, he's just not an FPL option. Period. Um, yeah. But anyway, what we planned, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I so the one thing is, I guess, with Kevin, that is interesting to me, just kind of like looking around at what people are doing, and it's fascinating to me that the group think is that he's like back to being first name on the team sheet and never benched. Really, the player played like four hundred minutes last year, so I don't understand where that's coming from. Granted. It goes, it flies in the face of saying, you know, they only play one game a week, so it should be first choice for the first few. And, you know, you got to transfer every week. But I just wanted to address that because I think that is completely mentally insane and it makes no sense. He just didn't play last year. He was injured for an entire year. So to think that he's going to come back to playing 3,000 minutes and put 50 games in his legs is fucking dumb to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Also, they had, you know, 99 points and didn't lose a step. So yeah, so I think that needs to be just you need to just think about that. If what it is appearing to me is that people are talking themselves into back to the completely true and factual idea of coverage being a good strategy, that Kevin is kind of coverage because you can't afford Raz because you have Mo, 
And that's not correct. That's not how the game works. Whatever Kevin's points are will not impact the points that Sterling gets. So that's one thing. I still think Kevin's like a reasonable pick, but I just don't really see the point because then I would talk myself back into Bernardo for 1.5 less. Like, there's more question marks. There are question marks around both players, but I'd rather spend less. I, I don't know. I, I just, the, the thing with City we haven't really touched on is like, Kuhn's 12, got the price hike. He could earn that if he plays his usual like 24, 2500 minutes. Yeah. But it's not, it's not exciting. And Raz is really expensive, but you know he's the second best midfielder in the game. So second best player. Yeah, that's a little bit more. Yeah, second best player, and he plays ninety minutes. Like that's a little bit more palatable to me. But then when you look at the other attackers, like Sunday's nine five rotates. I think he's going to be rotating a lot in central midfield with Kevin and um, with Foden's probably going to get some time. David Silva's still there. Like they have just a lot of players. They got the new boys. I mean, more maybe for Fernandinho, but like Gundo, like he plays some weird ass fucking teams. And you know, Bilva's eight. Like we're assuming that Bilva's going to be playing every minute. It's just pep roulette, uh, period. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of city picks to me feeling like their coverage, and which is why I haven't really had more than one city attacker on my team. I'm not sure. About City at this point, like it's confusing. I'm still trying to figure out my assessment on them. But what what do you think of the things I'm saying? Like, is anything standing out? I mean, yeah. I mean, regarding City, I feel similarly. I feel like Aguero and Raz are the only two attackers that I feel good and confident about owning. And then at the back, it's basically like Ederson, Laporte, and Walker is. Are the only defenders that I would consider owning and feel good about, and I mean I agree. I mean we really at this point don't know what the first eleven is going to be because we don't know if he prefers Bilva on the wing no. or Bilva in central midfield. We don't know if Kev is taking David's spot or there's going to be rotation. We don't know if. Rodrigo is just a Fernandinho backup, or if there's going to be, you know, sometimes playing two DMs or something like that. We don't know Mares's role, um, Foden's role, like Gundo's role. I, I mean, I basically totally agree. I think all of those guys that I just mentioned are just all very high rotation risks. And, you know, Kev obviously has the upside of. 20 assists in a dream world, but it's pretty hard to believe, like you said, that he's just going to play 3,000 minutes, you know, right after missing an entire season and like breaking all of his knees. And Sane has huge upside too, but we know that his minutes are going to be very inconsistent and he'll be dropped for stretches of time. So, yeah, I like just getting one or both of Raz and Kuhn and, and not really starting the season with any of the risky guys. Yeah, and I mean, I I did look and play a little bit with having Raz and Kuhn and just rotating captain, home Kuhn, away Raz. Like, that would be the plan. But it's then I'm still a little bit nervous about Kuhn. Like, it does very much bother me that he gets subbed every game. Case in point, I mean, Jesus last season played 1,000 minutes. I mean, I don't think he got more than, like, three starts during the season, but... He picked up ten returns playing just the last like fifteen or twenty minutes of games. Like, there's so many points yeah. on, left on the field yeah. that Kuhn doesn't get. I mean, that's, that's not point. to say, you know Kuhn, Kuhn still had thirty two returns last season. Yeah, he was so and he good. didn't. Yeah. yeah, and he did not. They did not get a lot of penalties last season. So that was really just like 
him figuring out how to assist and be more in the buildup with Pep, I think, combined with just him being so classy. But he also, you know, had a lot of blank. He had a couple of really explosive games, but he had a lot of blanks throughout the So I don't know. It's a lot. Twenty four is a lot to spend there, but you know, it, it, there is something to that allure of just having the city players in your FPL team. I get it. Like. I last season had like Raz, fucking Sane, and Dilv in my team, all three for a period, because I was just like, I want all the city attackers. Like, they're so good. I love <laughs> yeah. them. And then they but kept 10, just, 10 straight clean sheets, and neither of us had yeah, a defender. And I'm like, oh, this is going well. Yeah, so that's great. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, going into the season, putting, we're like, okay, three city, three Liverpool, easy game, easy life, figure out where else it goes. Three Liverpool is very easy game, easy life, because the defenders are basically free. But with city, I think it's a little bit more challenging because the attackers they, and the rotation is just like you can't have so many 12 million players in your team. So you kind of have to pick one or none of Raz and Kuhn if you have Mo and you want to have other, like, whatever the fuck. And then, you know, you're looking at someone like De Bruyne and I just, I, it's not doing much for me right now. I really just want to, like, the other thing with De Bruyne, right? We saw two seasons ago, I believe. Maybe it was last. Maybe last season or two season. We put him in our teams in the first three game weeks. Pep was playing him at fucking center back. Do you remember that? God, yeah, that was two. So like Kevin's, he's always like a Pep rotate or a Pep like tactical switch away from playing center back, and that's a thing that could happen. We don't know. So that also is a little bit concerning for me with him. So yeah, I want to. Basically, I just want to see. I just don't see much upside in him at nine five. Yeah, especially the fixtures aren't that good. So I, I. I just I don't love I don't love him for the game week one teams, but I don't even know how he got it's, here. Um, I don't really remember either. What was the question? Oh, like the eight to nine million. Oh, so, eight to nine bracket. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we're out on the city guys. Basically, both kind of just seem too risky. Uh, so, who are the other guys in the bracket? I mean, I think Erickson I mean, is Paul- still fine. And yeah, if he doesn't, I move, like Ziggy. Which it looks like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Erickson like had a quote unquote down, not quote unquote. He had a down year last year compared to what he normally does. He finished on 161 after, you know, 199 and 218 the two years prior, but he did play 500 less minutes last season than he did in those other two. So I bet the points per minute were not that far off his norm. He just, you know, played, played less minutes and got less points, but that we did see him off some set pieces and some indirect set pieces and, and that stuff. And that probably removed some assist potential from him. And, you know, Spurs were kind of weird and it had a really small injured squad and it was kind of a weird season, but I feel like, you know, they have the summer off. They got in Dombele. That's good. You know, Erickson's probably good. Yeah, I think Erickson's like another kind of like medium to long term yeah. pick if if that's what you're looking for. Just because the other thing with Spurs, like you mentioned last season, they did have the injuries, but they also have like a small, really fucking bad squad. So if he wants to do anything in Champions League, he can't afford to. Like City can play Jesus every single group stage and walk the group. Yeah. Spurs can't like not play their best team and get out of group in Champions League because their backups are fucking disgusting. So like getting Erickson for game week one and like having him for that first, you know, two months or something could be the best time to have him. So yeah, I mean I've and seen Erickson in basically right no teams and I don't Cup. hate that. They were right off the World Cup too, and like their entire team made it to like the semifinals basically. Yeah. And- yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of, of top teams, teams like there was a lot that, of like yeah. fucked up shit, and they still were like 
pretty good last season and yeah. made the championship yeah, 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 final. Yeah. So yeah, so and I yeah. mean, Sun Sun at nine five will be interesting if he goes yeah. back into that like I'm better than Kane role playing striker. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see that. But I mean, obviously not for game week one. But I I have Rich in my team. I, I've been on Rich for a little while. Um, so he's talk to me about of, Rich over Siggy. So Siggy's. Siggy hit stride towards the end of last season. You know yeah. that's when he started like toting up some shit. When he when he figured out like DCL, kind of as just the hold up player, and it gave Siggy a little bit more space. And and you know he was able to like you know get some points, which is nice. But you know Rich Rich starts every season strongly. He did have to play in the summer, but you know he's still like twenty one or twenty two or whatever. He's, he's so fucking baby. young. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little little baby baby back bitch who I abs- actually hate like watching him and I hate the way he plays. I fucking hate him. He's a piece of shit pussy. Okay. But he starts the season strong every year and he has 20 25 goal upside to me in the league. I mean, he scored 13 goals last year in his second full season and I think that, you know, he should keep making gains. But it's the kind of thing like he was having kind of jerked around playing forward last season which didn't work at all, but you know he's a he's a left winger. That's that's who he is, and you know he's a he's some he's a target to some extent and pretty quick reaction in the box. You know he'll get some dumpster fire goals like that. Not good on Baps, but it's a kind of thing at eight million where I'm just kind of looking at it, and they have some good fixtures in the beginning of the season, and I think it's more likely that you spike some points with him than Siggy. I, I don't expect Richarlison to outscore Siggy, but I also kind of see Siggy's last season of 13 goals, six assists as being somewhat of the ceiling for him. Um, he just takes so many shots outside of the box and relies on like direct free kicks for goals. Like he just doesn't get in the box, take high percentage shots. He's very clinical. Obviously, he's able to you know like put those seeing eye balls like low on the ground, past the keeper, like far post. Like he's got that finishing ability better than most players in the game. But the other thing is he was off a lot of set pieces and his like XA was like very bad last year. And that's like normally the assist is kind of what helps keep him tick along and. He played over 3,000 minutes and, and had six assists, and that's about where he should have been. And that's very concerning to me. Um, if he's not getting at least 10 assists, I don't know how much value he's going to be at eight. Yeah. I mean, eight is expensive for Siggy. He's never really in that bracket. And I just don't see much upside with him. I mean, 182, if he duplicates that at eight, that's value. But I'm, I feel like it's more likely that I'm not sure. I, I just I don't know. I just have a feeling about Rich. I, I've literally never owned Rich for one game week ever. I never. I've never owned yeah, him before. Yeah. I actually I remember. I was yeah, going. Yeah. I was like losing my mind when he was on Watford, and I just like wouldn't get him because I was Every being a stubborn prick. Yeah. Every week, and like I, and then last year, I just never had the right time to get him, and I just feel like with their opening fixtures, it's just something I feel like is a better chance of spiking. Like at Palace, home Watford, at Villa, like those are going to be games where I feel like he could. He could put in like three or four goals, and I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah, I like he Rich. is still I, I like the talisman. Like he is still the quote unquote star forward, you know, that they have. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't put personally too much thought in it because they're the same price. So I just put Siggy in and was like, I'll figure it out later. But I kind of agree with what you're saying. I mean, I do think his ceiling is probably around that 13 goal mark. I don't. He's not. That's the most he's ever scored in the league. Um, points wise, I mean, he he's put up 180 before, so we know that like fantasy wise, FPL wise, like he can do this. That's not like an anomaly season yeah. points wise. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he was kind of 
I don't remember. Like he was sort of second striker for a lot of the season. Like he was like, and he's not a number ten, right? I mean, the, we've argued about Siggy for constantly for like five years or something. Like I was always like, no, he's not good enough for Liverpool. I don't want him, and like whatever. But he's not a number ten. He's not a striker. He's some weird in between. He's slow as hell. He doesn't create a lot of chances. He doesn't take good shots, and he returns points every FPL season he ever, except for seventeen he's, he's- eighteen. He's not the same player as Ericsson, but for FPL, it's it very similar to me. Yeah, and so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just started building my team around more safe guys, which is what I traditionally do. And maybe I should be thinking more about like an early wild card and go for like ceiling guys or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think... You're wrong saying that Richarlison has like 20 goal season in him. He's still a baby and he's, you know, getting better all the time. And 13 is not bad at all last season, but I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to predict when that's going to happen. You know, like when is he going to go from 150 points to 200 points? If ever, I'm not sure. And Siggy just feels like a very safe, like between 160 and 180, like, you know, playing in the middle of the park. Like, I don't know. DCL is something to talk about too, but I feel like he's just, a, he's not really like a goal scoring striker. He's more of just a hold up, like a body, occupy the center backs, win headers, like, et cetera. And, yeah, and I mean, Siggy, him, Siggy's yeah, DCL the guy to doing run onto that. those balls. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, once they found that, that's when Siggy started to get more FPL points because right. he had the freedom. Like, he wasn't stuck behind. You know the two center backs and not able to like shoot. He just gets a shot blocked or whatever. Right. But yeah, right, DCL right. coming. But right, right. But I agree with you completely. Like you know, Siggy's going to get you know a decent point total, and you're not going to take a bath if you have him and you and you hold him for a little while for sure. But I, I have had both in my team as well and some tinkers, right. and I might I might land there. I mean, I think that I they're think opening. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think their opening run is is definitely good enough and. Um, that, I think that's definitely viable, but I, I, I just like Rich. I don't know. I, I haven't seen Rich in a lot of teams, but it's it's. I don't know. It's just we haven't talked about me. VAR or pens at all. Like, what's the? Yeah, what are people? What have people been saying since I've been gone about like VAR and how many pens there are going to be and that, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's from what I can gather, it's kind of like the stats based on VAR introduction to other like top European leagues doesn't really have an impact on penalties. Whoa, okay. Like it's basically like the same. But then you know you see people are like, oh, there are gonna be so many more handball penalties because the handball rule changed kind of again or whatever. They're gonna be like, no, then they have VAR now, they're gonna be able to call them all and shit. So I have no fucking idea. I mean I I'm not like putting any more stock into penalty takers this season than I did last season. But if two game weeks go by and there are like eight handball penalties in the league, I'm wildcarding like all the penalty takers. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I guess it's the type of thing. Well, there's not going to be less penalties than prior season. So no, no. there's no downside to, to, to like maybe waiting a little more heavily onto penalty takers because there's potential there's more penalties. Yeah, there's no, there's never a downside to having the penalty taker. I mean, it's just such, it's just a great little thing. I mean, it's just nothing to rely on. You don't know when they're kind of calm. It's inconsistent, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, having that and you know, we, we we you know we pen taker. Yeah, but that's the same. It's like it's not enough in this instance to swing it to Siggy for me when I'm really just kind of looking at those first few games and and hoping to you know catch some goals from Rich. You know, right? Mm. Yeah, interesting. 
Interesting, um, Felipe. And I do so. One, oh. one more thing before we move off. I, I do think you know it looks like Paul's staying. He's another similar to like Erickson and Siggy. Like eight five is a pretty good price on him. He had twenty three returns last season. United get you know among the top three quantity of pens. He's another player who you just know is going to return you know somewhere in the one eighty range. And I don't think eight five is a bad price. You know. Yeah, they, so had, I, I, they had so many pens last season. Yeah, I mean, they're a mess right now, and everyone's like, oh, United, LOL, United, and that's nice. That's like funny and fine. But yeah, I, I do think Paul will be in you know, a lot of teams at some point, and their fixture run at the beginning of the season is pretty bad. But you know, it's, United, they still have good players on the team. So you know, I, I don't think Paul's either like an insane pick. I think he's you know, on pens, like, you know, that kind of shit. He's just and, an 8.5 Milivojevic. All right, here we go. <laughs> you heard it here first. Philly bounce like any good six mil and below forwards we should look at for game week one. I mean, we did just mention DCL. What do you think about him? I know like Bug is on him and, and people are probably on him. So, I mean, I, we you alluded to it. You know, he's really like that support striker. He He's kind of like the hold up merchant. But the other thing coming back to the beginning of the pot is it does not take a lot for a six million striker to return good value for you. He doesn't need to be returning like every other game. It's really kind of like every third game. And he had 11 returns last year in 1,700 minutes. He's 22 years old. It was the first run that he had kind of steady starts in his career in the league at the end of last season. And he was not returning, like blowing the doors down with returns for FPL when he was starting, but it was all, he's all, he was also, he's like 21, 22 year old kid. So if he enters the season and they don't buy another striker, it's not realistic for you to sit and argue that he's not going to have at least 14 returns in 30, in 3000 minutes. That's just not, you're not basing your, your, Thought process and reality, if that's what you want to argue. So at that rate, he's going to be valued at six. So I, I like him. I, I like him a lot right now, assuming they don't buy another striker. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time contextualizing like val- make value guys. Like I, it's hard for me to get guys that I don't think are going to be like regularly putting in good attacking performances, but making. But making sense of them as value because they're priced so low. Like, I don't know what I want returns, what rate of returns I want for six million. I mean, no matter what I want, it's not going to be as good as like, you know, a Liverpool defender or like Laporte, probably, right? Yeah, probably not. I, there, there will probably be one six million striker who gets more returns, but right. uh, probably just one. I mean, Shea Adams definitely is a He's name to monitor. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Southampton, their opening run is very mixed bag. And, you know, it's the first time he's up in the division. And I don't know how he's going to play with Ings. I really haven't seen Shea Adams kick a ball. But from what I've read and heard from some of the Slack guys, I know we have a, a Birmingham, the Arnie guy, he's a Birmingham fan. He, he raves about him. It's one that I would rather like to see settle rather than start with a game week one team, especially because they're, they're opener. They don't have a good home game until game week six. Their first two home games are home Liverpool, home United. Ooh. So, 
Yeah. And then, yeah, so I mean, their fixtures are just bad. And it might be that Adams is, makes his money on the counter and he's better in away games, like who knows, but that's a name to monitor. I mean, again, you know, you have Sharp, who I have no, no fucking idea what Sheffield are going to look like, Sheffield United, are going to look like this season, but that's a name at six. You know, we have Chick Mick, at Mick six. Mick Goldrick also on Sheffield, right? The, yeah, Mick Goldrick. We have, we have, you know, we have Chick at six if they don't buy another striker, which seems unlikely, but. You know, West Ham are a team that should not have a six million striker, yeah. and they do. So I, there's just again, this comes back to like how many teams have six five, and we haven't even talked about six five options. How many teams starting strikers are six five and under? I mean, Benteke is six. He's so good. He'll probably have thirty goals this season. Glenner, there's just a yeah, Glenner. There's just so many options. So if you pick one. It's likely that you're going to be able to within the first three weeks identify like if you have the right one or who the right one is. So I don't think there's that much risk in in going in somewhere, right? I don't know. That's that's my thinking anyway. It's, it's that said, I have no it I have no six five striker in my team. To me, but I understand yeah. what you're saying. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, following up, end pass on Slack legend. Are we sleeping on Southampton this coming season? Could they be the bargain bargain routes and finish mid table? I mean, I do. I think we both. Do like Southampton and like Hassan Houdon, like how they looked after he came in last season. Yeah, I don't think that the like FPL community is sleeping on Southampton so much as their fixtures are horrific. So I just don't know when the right time's gonna be, but we ha- are looking at a new striker coming in, and we just don't know what the team's going to look like. He rotated midfield a lot at the end of last season. I mean, Redmond was playing, but I mean, they have Armstrong there, Lamina, he was trying to get Elianusi some time. I don't think that they're ready to accept a sunk cost there. You know, they, they signed <laughs> that, that... JWP. Yeah, they yeah. signed that dude Gineppo or whatever, that pacey yeah. winger. He's yeah. He's there now, so... I think it's just, and the defense was horrible. So I don't think the defense looks like it'll be an option at any point. It's a even bummer they all got the price bump. Like if Valerie was four yeah. five, or like you know Bednan yeah. was four. I mean, obviously they weren't well, going to make a start of four again. But well, Bed Betters is four five. So it was just it feels like a lot when he was four last year because their defense yeah, is so bad. Yeah, their defense. But but I think it's just a team that we should monitor. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. You know, similar to kind of like Chelsea or whatever, and just kind of see. But like, if Adams looks good the first three games, or four games, like getting him could be great. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like Southampton. I li- I'm yeah. surprised a bit that Redmond wasn't priced higher. Like him still at six five. If he has the same role that he did last season, which was like second striker, wide striker, like. Yeah, God, he was just looked so good in basically every game yeah. since Hasan Hoodle came in. And Hoiberg yeah, also at five is like who knows what role he has. Like he could be he could be number ten and just be awesome. So Yeah. It's it's hard to imagine what the team's gonna look like with Redmond, Ings, and Adams all in it. I don't know how that's gonna work, but I we'll feel, see. yeah, I mean there it's possible that Adams is just a backup too, right? Because Chaz I, Austin basically is just dead and doesn't exist and I, Ings will get hurt. Um, I don't think Adams was bought to be a backup. No? Okay. No, I don't I don't think so. Okay. Um Wolfie on Slack, welcome back, boys. Whose fixtures do you like in the first five games? I mean, it's kind of like 
things we've been talking about. Bournemouth, Everton look good. Palace looks pretty good. Liverpool, City, I mean, all their fixtures are good. It kind of goes without saying. West Ham after game week one's really good, which yeah, is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, they they have a really good run. Just a, after that game week one, kind of dud. Um, I think that's about it that, that I looked at. Any anything I'm missing that you're liking? I mean, I, I'm not like like Villa have good fixtures, but I don't think they have a good fixture in the the season. Yeah, and so that's like, I don't the like same count with like that. Brighton or something. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. I don't. So I don't. So yeah, want any. Yeah, Brighton. It's like I. Guys. I mean, I can't. Tell you how many people have Matt Ryan and goal. It's it's disgusting. I Sheffield hope United I hope, have good fixtures. Who yeah. are you going to get there? I hope I hope more people have Matt Ryan in their team come game week one because that means <laughs> we'll have an easier we'll have an easier season on our hands. Uh, I mean, yeah. an I mean, season. Brighton's like Brighton has have good opening five, but I have no idea what they're doing or what they're up to. So I'm, I'd rather just wait and see. Yeah. All right, let's let's power on because we still have fifteen more questions on here. Right, we're not we're not doing fifteen more questions. Maybe pick out like two or three. Yeah, let's see here. Um, skip this one. Skip this, and this one I enjoy. Jack on Slack. Is there anything you would trust Eddie Howe with? I would trust him with like my arch nemesis's toddler. <laughs> Something like that. Well, I was thinking about like just like a straight up gym teacher, like just like a middle school gym teacher. I think he could do that job. No, dude, do you? He would just have you running wind sprints for forty five minutes. I mean, that's not not doing the job though. Yeah, but it's not like good from whose perspective? I, I are you I, yeah, I'm not at happy as a as you got to think. It, he's going to take fit. it away from the kids, Alon. But I'm thinking the kids. No, you got to think of the kids. If we're not playing dodgeball, like at least once a week. I don't want that gym teacher and in the school. He plays attacking football, you know, like soccer might be fun in, in, in gym. I he could know. probably like hard boil an egg with, tr- I, could, I would trust him with that or like, you know, making pasta somewhere between al dente and overcooked. He could do that. Yeah, he could boil water. He could do some of that. He boil water. I, he, he, I, I, I trust him. I trust if him. If you're English, you can boil water because you've been making tea your entire life. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a couple, a couple things in his locker that I trust him to do. Yeah, button to button. Zip but then he's in, he's in a lie, and he's going to be like, "Did you boil this on on the kettle, or did you use the fast thing and then pour it in the kettle to trick me?" And he's in a, he's in a lie, yeah, so that's a issue. Yeah, uh, you know, there's yeah. the lies. Or did you hard boil these eggs, or did you go to the market and buy them? It's like he's a lie. I don't know. Yeah, it's just not as tough. That's true. That's a good point. But but then if it's like if it's like my nemesis's child is like, were you watching the kid when they bang their head? He's gonna lie. Be like, yeah, I was watching him. And then that works wasn't. in it's our like, benefit, and we're happy yeah, about. So that. that's exactly. So we want him in positions where we want him to lie. I see. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting yeah. to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, that's good. Um, village idiot on Slack. Five questions. I mean that number, whatever. You're waiting to be answered in the preseason games and the decisions you'll be making based on those answers. So, like preseason, you know, let's just say it's now for you know until you know for like three or four weeks from now. So, what are the main things that you're looking at in preseason? Okay, so definitely Kane's position. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see what Yarmolenko's position and minutes look like. Oh, okay. Because I think six million for him is a really nice price, and I think you know he could score some goals. 
Um, what else? Let me see. I mean, we we mentioned some other stuff that, like Leicester formation with Perez, etc. Um, Chelsea, everything to do with Chelsea is totally up in the air. Yeah, those two things, right? We talked on that. I mean, it's obviously, I, I it would be. I would be Eddie Howing my life away if I said Ozil wasn't in and out of my tankers all, oh, all preseason. Yeah, baby. So I mean I need to see what I need to see what the Mantis God's looking like. Maybe I'll get a Wobi. Yeah, if you, if I get Mantis God, then you should get a Wobi, because those are our two like arsenal yeah. blind spots. And then if they both fail, then you know, we're just I'll get a Wobi and you get Ozil and it'll the, the and fortunes will, will flip yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, then yeah. we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, there's so yeah, much to look at in preseason. Uh, there's like, but basically, it's like those teams that we have question mark, like new, yeah. like Brighton. Like, what are what's Brighton doing? Like, I don't know. Like those teams that we have new managers, players, new players where we don't know their role. Like, I don't care what Pep does. Like, I don't care what yeah, Liverpool I don't care what City do. does. I literally, means you could tell nothing. me zero piece of information about Liverpool or Man City for the entire preseason. And it wouldn't impact the team I have. So, right, right, right. But the other, you know, so there are other teams though, and things like that. So we'll, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, even like a team like Manchester United, like you said, everyone's down on them and like blah blah blah, making fun of them. Someone like, has to play left wing. Yeah, like is Lingard gonna just play number ten? Maybe. Like, is Daniel James starting and scoring in every preseason game? Like, sure, I'm I'm down. Like Alexis. Starting every game at left wing, like sure, like get in there, like oh, yeah. I mean, Martial at seven five. I mean, you know, again, someone has to play that position. Yep. The nightmare is he just rotates and we don't have a starter. But if yep. there is one player, they're going to be an underpriced, ridiculous value asset because Martial seven five, Alexis is seven, and the little double first name boy James is six. So I mean, one of those players, if one of those players is starting, they're going to be in every team as they should be. Yep. So yeah, those are the kind of things. So, yeah. so that's good. That's that. That's that boxed. Yep. So moving on, anything else you want to talk about? Say, do whatever. Or should I just slap these asses and then get out of here? Yeah. No. I mean, I think you know we're going to do another few preseason pods. I think you know we'll be able to do more deep dives into like players and stuff. But yeah, I think definitely. we covered a lot. We covered, we covered a lot, a lot but we'll go. We'll do it in a more structured format. So I think it's it's not only that we'll go more in depth. I think it's easier for listeners to just intake the information when it's more organized, you know, instead of jumping around topics. So it's yeah, definitely helpful I, I, for us. So hopefully, it's helpful for you. Yeah, and I think also if you have ideas of like ways you'd like us to tackle these preseason pods, please feel free to reach out. You know, we we've done it a few different ways and. If you have some way that you think would be really clever, or you'd like to hear, just, you know, shoot it to us. I mean, the worst that can happen is we just don't do it that way. So yeah. that would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we got a billion new Patreon signups since you know the last pod of last season. They all need their anuses slap. I'm gonna just try and plow through this in one breath and just see what happens. I think is the best way to do this. So. <clears throat> Ali, Peter Harper, Leon Davis, Jeff Farmer, Max, Marvin Andre, Nishant Ramkrishan, Bradley Rettler, Patrick Hagen, Tollefson, Taryn Palapu, Christopher Tuck, Paul Myers, Stephen Barbara, Tim Evans, Mike Davis, Tom Martin, Owen Monaghan, Matt Sexton, Village Idiot, Abdullah Al Alayin, Polka Dots, Matthew D. Denton, Tim, Drew Stewart, Bradley Smythe. Get in there. Slap all those asses. Welcome to the fucking. We got one new one also Ivan Parfenov. 
classic Russian. Oh, I love that. Yeah, thank you for the assist. Um, yeah, fuck, man, it's crazy to be back. It's crazy to be tinkering and doing all this shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it really was a weird one this year. The early release of the game, it's it just fucked like me up. Early. It fucked my whole yeah. shit up. I just ignored it and pretended pretended it wasn't happening. Yeah, so you got a few weeks to go. I think four weeks, and you know, Slack's been picking up. But you know, it's again, you know, Slack's a really cool community that we've got with our listeners, and it's just kind of light and fun. So if you're, you know, if you're tired of the Reddit cesspool or the FFS discussion board cesspool, and you want a little bit more, you know, personal touch, it's it's a low cost, four or five bucks a month. Keep helps us keep this pod running ad free, which I'm sure no one is upset about. Yep. Well, it's free it's for free for the next two weeks, also. Yeah, free for the next two weeks. So you could you could test the waters. Yep, and see if you want to stick around, or you just get two free weeks of team advice or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, good job by you, bud. Yeah, I think that was a very good job by you. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> official. I think it was a very good job by you, but I'm not fully settled on that yet. I mean, dude, this is a huge pod. We're at like two hours, so hopefully there's some good shit in there, and then we'll be back in a week for preseason pod. So, any last words? No. Check us out at FMLFL.com. Follow us on Twitter at FMLFLSportsPatreon.com slash FML. Subscribe, rate, review, and cheers.